hello friends. This is an Apple Music interview version of the world-famous Emo Dad podcast. What does this mean? No music. Why? Apple doesn't let us play songs. Does it sound a bit weird when we introduce a song and nothing happens? Nah. But, you know, you still get the conversation and all the good times. For the full version, switch on over to Spotify and search Emo Dad. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Um, it's almost as if it's the box, not the computer, the sound recording box of it all. Um, yes. Oh, your fancy box. My fancy box. Everyone loves a fancy box. Why have you bedazzled your box? How fancy is your box? World famous emo dad. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Emo Dad Podcast. My name is Matt. My name is James. And this is Love Keeps Kicking by Martha. Remember Mr. Majika? What? <laughs> Mr. Majika. It was a t- it was a kids TV show. I don't like would have been, I guess. Turn of the 80s into the 90s. Was he a paedophile? <laughs> Look, I cannot confirm or deny those rumours. He had a little bit of hair, tuft of uh, hair, yeah. that sat on the top of his head, and it waggled. And when it waggled, independently of his bodily movement, magic happened. <laughs> and if you had it, when I was at school, if you had a tuft of hair top of your head from a weird haircut or like the one pound gel had like messaged had like stuck up a weird bit of your hair the other boys would say oh you look like mr majika (laughs) do you want to explain why you've opened with this story you've got a bit of hair that sticks up on top of your head and makes you look like (laughs) mr majika (laughs) i had my hair cut today and i was just saying while we were listening to that lovely song that he looks like he's missed a bit. Yeah. I'm going to leave it. I'd own it. I didn't even notice. Yeah. That's all you're going to notice for the next. Yeah, I can't take it. Yeah. Now I cannot take my eyes off it. Um, <laughs> hello, Mr. Said. Buck. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Uh, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm okay. Got got a bit of a cold, but, you know, life goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, shit happens. <laughs> nothing. Emo, emo dad stops for nothing. <laughs> emo dad probably should stop for some things, but we do, we don't. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, doesn't stop despite our be- better judgment. Um, we're doing an interview in a minute, aren't we? Yeah, we are chatting to Mister Nathan from the band Martha, who we've just listened to. Yeah. That's uh, pretty exciting, right? 
And what also is exciting is we're doing the intro before the interview. No time traveling today. Yeah. We're, we're in live time, which is probably where we always live. But like it's we're linear time. Things are happening before other things are happening. When he appears, are we just going to like carry on? I guess we've got like a whole 16 minutes before he's due. So like it depends if we want to like play songs, muck about, have some fun, sing songs. I got of... I got I got some news for you which All I right. can uh, I can talk to you about while we wait for Nathan to appear. All right, I'm excited. Uh, I'm just getting my phone out because the um the lovely lads from Bouquet uh, messaged. Okay. Do you remember uh, chatting about them? Nope. Nope. Okay. So <laughs> good. <laughs> Did they, I say something um, shocking about them? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, you mugged them off because they didn't have any um, information on the internet. All right. Um, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and but you also were very complimentary about. Um, their uh, uh, what they're called um, dungarees. Have, have you got dungaree content? Well, not not yet. Oh, but the, the 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 dungaree wearing chap. Yeah. Who didn't actually tell me his name? Oh. Um, he messaged me. He said, "I'm overalls guy." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he said uh, he he said he just listened to our podcast and loved our banter, and thanks for the <laughs> thank you for the shout out um, and playing us on the podcast. He said we don't yield many results on Google, so any questions you have, feel free to hit us up. Maybe we can do an interview or something. So we chatted about that, and I said that maybe we'll get him on and he can give you some um, dungaree or overall advice. Yeah, man. I tell you what, I've never been more excited about anything in my life. <laughs> so we're going to get um, people in in bands to come on and you know give give you advice on stuff that's totally irrelevant to their band. That yep. seems to you be know, what's happening here. Yeah, man. You know what? When we started this podcast, that was my actual dream. I didn't want to really talk about songs. I just wanted to get random people on and talk about clothes. That that was that was the actual motivation for me doing gonna, this podcast. Are we going to talk to Nathan about his clothes? I mean, there's a slim chance he turns up naked, <laughs> but if depending on what he's wearing, sure. I if mean, you like, remember when we interviewed Matey from You Fountain? He was in bed. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a legend! Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've had a few people. So, like, so. Ladies and gentlemen, we when we interview people, it's, it's on the Zoom. We don't like meet people in real life um, for the safety of all concerned. I think, um, and because they would leave, <laughs> it, probably. And like sometimes they're on camera, sometimes they're not. And we never challenge, right? So if someone turns up and they're not on camera, we never like put your camera on. No, that'd be weird. They can do what they want. Exactly. So we don't do that, but. Like, so I have to imagine them in my head. 
<laughs> because yeah. like <laughs> if if somebody <laughs> because if somebody does put um the like the camera on i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about what i see yeah yeah that's true <laughs> talk, instantly looking at things in the background yeah i'm gonna be talking about it whatever i see to... now what endlessly like concerns me about your background currently is there's so much stuff on that shelving unit and it always changes so i can't like but i can't really see what what's there what changes nothing changes this is not Does moving it? around it's like spot the difference yeah you're always playing yeah. spot the difference maybe a little bit all right yeah okay this is good content everyone what's that weezer song about um like imagining pe- having sex with people in their heads <laughs> One thousand times. I'm gonna figure out which song that is. Um, don't mind me. It's on the blue album. It's on the blue album. It's um, um uh, sweater song. This is the sweater song by Weezer. So that was undone. The sweater song was it? Was that the actual song? Because I just guessed. No. It's, I think it's the world has turned. Oh well, we we enjoyed the sweater song anyway. I, I did enjoy it. Um, you enjoyed it because you're not letting me listen to any of the music today. <laughs> I, I can't be bothered to share the audio with you. Um, that's. I mean, like, look, I can't. Um, so do you? So, like, something that's, that happens to me a lot at the moment is I realise that, like, past James has sabotaged future James. Oh, you never want to do that. Talking of time travel. So, like, like this week, I'm on proper past James sabotaged future James. Is that because you didn't do some work and now you're having to catch up or something no. like that? No, I never okay. do any work, mate. Not that my okay. future, not that my current employer is listening. I'm about to say future employer. I guess what I really meant is like future, uh, awkward, like <laughs> like ex employer. Um, no, what? Well, <laughs> no, because past James um, agreed to go to a gig, and then forgot to put it in the diary, and ah. then he made a commitment on Tuesday night, and he made a commitment tonight. So that's three nights in a row I've done something like vaguely social. Did you go to a I, gig last night? No, but I like did some social things and now yeah. I'm like broken. Can we <laughs> <laughs> should we do a little gig review of what happened on Monday night? Uh yeah, we can do that. We've got eight minutes. We'll get that in. We'll, well like, I, I'd we'll like live to, radio um, in. I'd like to speak mostly about the venue. Yeah. Yeah, I Out- want to talk about that. Outernet, I think it was called. Or was it lower third? No, Lower Third, I think, was the, the fancy bar we went into before right. the gig. Right. Where we okay. were handed, we were instantly seated, handed water and nuts. <laughs> look, look, I'm into it. I'm five star into it. I love a bit of zhuzhing. I love being zhuzhed. Fluffed? Yeah. No, that's something else. I love, I love the attention either way. Didn't expect it. No, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> and then we had to walk through a um actually like 
we had to go into a Netflix advert. Yes. To get to the entrance. Yes, absolutely true. You walk through like a giant, so many screens. You walk through like there's, there's it's like a, it's a tunnel of screens. Yeah. And then, which was Very impressive. Yeah, man. And then you walk down, awful. So, firstly, this is a new venue. It's back in the day, boys and girls and non binary heroes. There was a venue called the London Astoria, which was one, which was, I don't know if it was wonderful, but it was a place I went to a lot. And there were like tribal pillars around the stage. And I saw most of my first gigs there. And then underneath it was Astoria 2 which yep. was another little venue. And then there was another little venue around a corner called Blow Up Metro. Yep, which I was offered a um, promotions gig there, and then it closed down a month later. Yep, that's uh, them's the breaks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when they built Crossrail, they knocked all that down. It went kaboom. And that was a lot of years ago. And it's been very sad that there hasn't been like a central London venue because like mainly selfishly for Matt and I, it's really handy for, for our transport links mm. until now. Yeah. So this thing, Outernet. Yeah. It's has like the turned opposite up. of internet, right? Yeah. But you're like, oh, do you think, is that what it is? I don't know. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Either way. Loved it. Very excited there's a new venue back. So what are we doing? We're walking through the tunnel of Netflix signs. We're through that. Then we went, got a little fluffed on the way in, as you do with security. And then yep. down some stairs, many stairs. You go down a lot, a lot down. Yeah. And, there's, and there was the... more screens and things. Lots of screens. And then we, we accidentally walked onto like a balcony area, which was very yeah. nice with yeah. more screens. With more screens. And then we're like, we're not balcony people. We're nah, floor we're people. We're hardcore. Yeah, man. And so we went down some stairs. And so, I I mean, like, I don't know what the capacity is. 2,000, apparently. Fucking hell. Um, didn't realize it was that big. It felt more like the size of the electric ballroom for those people who also know other London venues. Um, There's like... Square, it's a square, it felt square to me. Very square, and it you lost... were very upset about the hot, very high ceiling. Yeah, I like a lower ceiling situation, it feels more intimate. Like, I prefer that. I, I, w I, was, I was happy with the ceiling height. All right, good. We'll, we'll relay that to the uh, I was very architect. happy with the stage height, yeah. Good stage height, not too high, but like of a level that you can see the every the the humans. Yeah, good for a short a shorter person like me. Mm. Yeah, good. Yeah, sound quality. I I didn't notice it being bad. So, and we always stand at the side, so it's a little bit unfair because I think you don't get the 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 proper experience at the side right. anyway. Plus, we had earplugs in. <laughs> but it, it seemed all right. Seemed all right, I thought. Uh, access to bar. Easy. Good. So very, easy. Very slick. Fucking huge, this thing. Very big. 
so there was some i mean like like shout out it's always a shout out to people serving at the bar it's a tough job but you were serving sass yeah and they, <laughs> and you just you just uh, uh the little payment points were there little computers did did job done but yeah yeah into that now toilets amazing <laughs> tell me more <laughs> so they were like space age urinals um yeah i can't i don't know really how to describe them they were black that was exciting i guess black urinals and individual urinals normally in gig venues you're pissing into a an open trough trough <laughs> a trough it's a trough and let's be honest yeah it's like for, for ladies who haven't been into to the gents it's it's i mean it's cattle vibes let's be honest yeah it's pretty minging and there's normally like sick and beer everywhere and this was lovely there was i think there was even a cleaner in there doing doing their thing yeah you said this i've never i've never seen a a cleaner in a gig venue toilet no never ever ever pretty and much not sure that's a thing the like the the there was no like taps or anything you All just right. you walked up to a mirror and you put your hands under the mirror and water fell from the mirror that's witchcraft yeah i was a bit confused about that yeah that's fair um we saw three bands the first band was called something oh we got a guest we got a guest we got a guest this is fall from grace by higher power Hey, buddy, do you like emo music? Nah, bruv, I ain't no pussy. I only listen to hardcore. World famous emo dad. Nathan Stevens Griffin, welcome to the Emo Dad podcast. Hello. Most people laugh at me because I go into radio voice. <laughs> so I apologize if that happens. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. Um, we are gonna ease into the interview in the way that we always do, uh, asking what was is or was your earliest memory of music? Oh, that's a good question. Um I I grew up in quite a musical household. My dad um so I so I was born in 1985, in in the winter in County Durham. So the miners' strike had ended in the March of that year, and throughout the sort of course of that, my parents had been involved in sort of solidarity activism, um, and my dad played in a rhythm and blues band that played a lot of the clubs and did a lot Amazing. of benefits and that kind of thing. So when I was growing up I kind of had um music in the house a lot musicians instruments I was very very lucky in that sense and so I always had from a very young age you know uh an achievable vision of people I know playing music together and you know um and that being a viable thing but then it also makes it quite hard to pass what was my when my right. interest started and when you know when uh yeah but i guess so so i grew up with like rhythm and blues music van morrison the beatles the classic kind of things 
and then I guess as a as a young kid, Britpop happened, and I got extremely sure. into Britpop, which I still love. Um, and then as I got a bit older, it was like kind of new metal and punk and ska punk. My first ever band was a ska punk band. Um, but it all kind of melds together, I think, in my head. Is the, does that answer the question? Yes. Yes, it's excellent answer. Uh, what was your first band called? We were called Speeding Bee. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Like bee like a, like a flying bee? Like a flying bee, yeah. Amazing. Um, and it was... It was good fun. It, there was only three of us, so it wasn't like the. Um, it was really like my first lesson in pragmatic DIY kind of doing things because nobody wanted to sing. So I was like, right, well I'll sing, and nobody wanted to play the drums. So I was like, right, well I'm going to save up and I'm going to buy a drum kit, and that's how I ended up singing and drumming. Um, was purely out of necessity. Um. So it was a strange thing. It was kind of like we didn't have a big horn section and all that stuff, but it was right. it was very much in there. I don't know whether either of you guys were into that kind of scar core like thing that happened and up down oh, yes. and household oh, yes. name records and all that stuff. Yeah, so no was, comply were my favorite. No comply were brilliant. Uh, on on the night of our sixth form prom, we went to try and watch No Comply in Middlesbrough, and uh, my pal wasn't eighteen yet, and we got booted out the venue. <laughs> we, we thought it was would be funny if we went in uh, like tuxedos, like everyone who was going to the prom. So we were just like ten minutes later sat in a Chinese buffet in tuxedos, eating our <laughs> eating our dinner, feeling a bit sheepish. But yeah, No Comply, great Kelly Kemp. Still rocking. Uh, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, so you, when did you move from County Durham to the north? So, so County Durham uh, is in. North oh, East as England. in not as in Ireland, right? No, no, as in northeast England. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant like yeah. Sorry, that's where my head went because I think we were talking about like folk music and stuff. So my head was like, oh, this is Ireland. What is happening? But also, I rarely leave the M25. So my <laughs> that's okay. knowledge there's, there's a... of geography, shocking. <laughs> that's okay. There's like a, there's a, incidentally, I mean, my, my, my grandfather was Irish and my mother has an Irish passport. So there's a big Irish diaspora in the northeast of England. But um, yeah, yeah, I've only ever, I've only ever really lived in the northeast of england yeah in county durham right so that's so i wasn't my brain was making connections with things <laughs> and just like sticking it all together not like making a fool of myself interesting now we, we read on the internet that the town is called pity me yeah so it's it's more of a village town is right. yeah but um swings and roundabouts really but yeah that that's where we me and my sister, who's in Martha, um, and Daniel all grew up in this little uh, village just outside Durham. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's a weird one. Uh, it was once on the one show. Like, they were looking <laughs> at, like, strange place names. And, um, yeah, and I don't know, like, I don't know what the 
there's there's theories about why it's why it has that that name and some of them are more like some of them are more fancy than others yeah. um but yeah it's a it's a funny one growing up and getting on the bus and saying pity me please yeah kind of, <laughs> you know if you want to if you want to instill an emo sensibility into someone <laughs> this is it right <laughs> like yeah i mean it's incredible um and uh absolutely obsessed so in in pity me and also like i liked obviously you being um of the generation like us to grow up discovering music not on the internet i assume um how were you kind of finding um the scar bands and these kind of other things to be interested in or or whatever yeah it's a, it, yeah it's funny isn't it how how easy it is now or maybe it isn't easy because there's just so much stuff but right. um if, if i think it was like i think there was still a sort of monoculture then in terms right. of like you know you had I had mates who had like Harang TV channel or like I can't remember the name of it, Scuzz, right? Things like that. Yeah, yeah. Where you'd go around and they'd they'd put it on and like the new Sum Forty One song. I was just about to say Sum Forty One would be on it all the time. Yeah, and and so you so that was a big part of it. Um, it wasn't so much the radio, um, really. And I think like getting into stuff through Harang magazine and through like when I was first getting into music, it was all like Rage Against the Machine and you know good stuff. But like, um, that was the route in. But trying to get into like DIY stuff and like smaller stuff, I think it was more just in 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 Durham that has been like throughout my life there's always just been this like hardcore punk scene in Durham and um and so that was like my first experience of like DIY was going to those mm. gigs and and they would have people come through they would have touring bands come through from other parts of the UK and from like further afield um and so you'd kind of get like we had a band called Count Me Out I don't know if either of you were like hardcore nerds but like can't remember where they were from, but I was just so like stunned that there was these Americans just playing in the local like cricket club and like <laughs> and everybody was going nuts and like moshing and all this stuff. And I'm just like, this is so cool. And like with with reflection, it was very, you know, quite not the band, but the the atmosphere was quite male dominated and quite there were problematic aspects about it and you know what scene doesn't have problematic aspects but the thing right. that was really good was just a load of like predominantly working class kids from county durham making their own fun and like doing stuff and and making stuff happen so i guess there was that and then there was like the local record shop there was a shop in town called concepts mm-hmm. and i used to go in there and get like you know, tips off the people who work there about what to what to listen to and what to like, and then and there was things like the liner notes of records, and you know, like the thank yous and records, like yeah. going 
going to a show and seeing what shirts people were wearing and <laughs> things like that and just being like yeah that that was kind of how you had to do it and the, there was the internet but it wasn't such a like such an avenue for finding like music as it is now so um, yeah 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 okay cool yeah so that's um obviously a very simple experience for a lot of us um so the how did you kind of um get in get more involved in the kind of di i'm assuming there was a point where you were sort of moved on from speeding b or got into more of that the scene what was the did was did you do gigs and things with speeding b or did you move on to something else by that point yeah i mean I, i'd been trying to start a band for like like probably three years or something and, and okay. failing and, and had had like many practices with bands and or like you know false starts and it was when so so it wasn't until two days after my 18th birthday that I played my first gig so late bloomer in in some ways okay. um so yeah I was you know I was a I was legally an adult in this ska band um <laughs> but um but yeah it was like we we were we kind of took inspiration from what we'd seen other people doing although we weren't cool enough to be in that scene and we booked our own shows and you know we just booked out the same venues and and put our own gigs on in durham and and then we as we got a bit more confident we started to like do gig swaps with people and we had a couple of pretty you know hit and miss tours where we would we'd be doing it all through gig swaps and some nights just nobody would turn up and it would just be like bad crack basically like right. they've had they've had their gig but you're not getting yours kind oh, of thing and God. um i remember one i remember one of the shows on that tour we played in Cardiff and it, we got paid less than it had cost us to get across the seven bridge like oh, the, no. the payment for the gig was like that's like that's like five pounds right exactly like... yeah and <laughs> and they told us it was because they asked everyone on their way in who they were here to see and no one had said they were and we were like but we're f why would they be here to... anyway um right yeah yeah, it was just a kind of, and and that was not DIY. Like we weren't, we were just a band trying to meet people and play shows. And we did, we did meet some cool people back then. But it was, it was later where I started to feel connected to like a scene where people were looking out for each other. And it was mm -hmm. that was more through a playing another band called Onsend, which is like started out as like a kind of acoustic punk folk punk however you want to mm. call it type thing and when we started doing things i guess it was cooler at then not cool now of course but then it was like a cooler thing and and people were like oh we'll we'll book these people on and we started to get shows and that's when we started to meet i've just been at manchester punk fest like last weekend and other weekend before and feel like so so many people who I met when that band was starting still still going so 
those were the connections that have kind of stayed I, I guess that's great that's really lovely um that that's still that's still a thing and that's still a kind of a um a thing that's still still going on I think that's amazing um right we're gonna press you to pick a song to kind of get us out of this first little section i feel like let's i feel like scarring it up should we should we do uh cap down and no comply or anything you like really yeah let's have scar wars by cap down why not let's do that this is uh scar wars by cap down such a classic song that Scar. Wars. i haven't heard that for ages um Right, so um, moving on a little bit in time. So when when did um, did Martha get together, and how did that come about? Yeah, so I think it was. I think our first demo came out in twenty twelve, or maybe. Yeah, I think it was twenty twelve. So it's been like eleven years, um, which is wild in some ways, but also makes sense in others how much has happened since then um but yeah the 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 sort of starting point for that band was like really was we were going to there was this like dj night in durham (laughs) i've told this story before i apologize but basically these archaeology phd students weirdly Um, it's already funny start, started <laughs> a, yeah they started a like dj night club night or whatever at, at the venue we all used to go to and play in a lot which was called the fish tank which was above a fish shop um and <laughs> it was called schizophonica and they were and it was great and they would like play motown into like garage punk so it was like this strange like mix of stuff um but all good and like at that time i think i'd kind of rediscovered or properly gotten into the house martins i don't know if either of you were into that band but like this kind of like 80s british indie pop i guess um and then there was all this other stuff like dirt nap records marked men like that kind of scene exploding hearts um and then this like motown stuff all getting played in the same mixing pot and we were like we should do something like this and also stuff like nana grizzol like us band that's like diy pop band i guess um with connections to like folk punk but we were like, let's try and do something like this. And then, like, Martha is what kind of came out of that. Um, it was my, like, my sister's in the band, as I mentioned, and it's, like, her first sort of proper band where she'd actually played gigs and um, and stuff. So it was, like, quite a nice, like, the four of us are extremely tight friends and, like, um, you know, that's a big part of why I think it's lasted as long as it has and probably Mm. why it works or why people like it. But it was just like, uh, yeah, getting together in my parents' basement and um, just writing these kind of what we thought were like Motown-y punk songs, but I guess weren't. (laughs) And, and And from that, like, 
people started to go like, oh, like indie pop. And I was like, I guess so. Yeah, I guess we're an indie pop band. And then that opened this whole other world of like DIY that I just hadn't been because I'd come from that like hardcore punk, you know, punk punk, ska punk, all this stuff that was like uh, one way of doing things, I guess. Then there was like this indie pop world that has its own like I always think of it like this where punk kind of and, and this is a criticism of of my experience of punk in the UK is like the mm -hmm. biggest bands are always American bands yeah and it's always like that the, the headliner will always be the American band and that's what everyone looks to be even though we do have like a really you know good homegrown tradition of punk here but the, but that's yeah and that's partly to do with the monoculture and scores and uh p-rock and you know all that kind of stuff and like what gets big blink One Eight Two, green day all that stuff but anyway with indie pop it's far more likely that the headline band is going to be like scottish <laughs> um yeah, or right. like you know and it all like british and 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 there's like and it feels like when when we got there with our sensibility or when we kind of made that connection or people made it for us, it was like, oh, like, yeah, you know, we were all about like, we didn't, we wanted to be authentically us and that, you know, we're weirdos and we're from a weird town that nobody cares about. That's not cool. And we were like, we're not going to pretend that we are anything other than who we are. And it felt like paradoxically indie pop and that scene was really accepting of us and and really like got behind us um and yeah so so it was like again it's it's just like one of the first shows we did out of durham was in birmingham and we played i can't remember the venue but it was like an all day and we played with a band called mustache of insanity um, which <laughs> was people who are great friends of ours now, but what one of those is was uh Bill Botting, who's in the band Allo Darling, legendary like uh British Australian indie pop band, and and basically him and a few other people at that show just were like this band's great, and told all their mates, and then we suddenly started getting loads of offers to play these kinds of shows uh, that were nice. like not not really DIY punk shows but were certainly DIY shows and um and so that was like sorry this is a very long answer to the question but uh yeah that that's like the, the early days of Martha was us kind of like finding out where we were because we felt like we weren't punk enough for the punk scene but we were also too punk for the indie pop scene and like yep. I think as it as as things have played out it turns out none of that's really important it's just about you know where your heart is and and what you're trying to do and that and i feel like yeah we those were important times and that that must have been um when you realized or you were told that you were kind of sitting in the indie pop realm of things did it almost feel like you had to kind of start again because all your contacts were in the the punk and the scar world and did you did you like how did that make you feel? Was that a bit sort of worrying that suddenly you wouldn't be able to 
tap into all those contacts for gigs and things like that almost just back to uh back to zero so to speak it it was actually like it conversely it was more like and here's a load more people who like it was more oh, like okay. a door yeah. opening without another one closing um yeah. because we we did still have like our pals and like Onsend is still a band and you know we don't do as much but w- the people who had been putting Onsend on were equally in in those kind of punk shows were equally like super supportive of this new thing Martha and were like oh it's it's these guys and it felt like really nice because you know when we're being a ska punk band in 2005 or whatever when that kind of scene was becoming less the thing and and whatnot um there weren't many doors at all and then on send it was like we found a cool scene of political diy you know animal liberation all this cool stuff anarchist stuff and then martha started and it was like you're welcome here but there's also all these other places you're welcome so it was like just gradually finding more little strange DIY scenes and pockets um, in the places that we'd been in and about like Onsen had, had barely ever played in Birmingham and then suddenly Birmingham was like a big city for us because they had this like indie pop scene there that that wanted us love that nice um, and what's it like being in a band with your sister it's great um, like we <laughs> we get on well people are often surprised and i think like you know lots of people well lots of people get on fine with their siblings but couldn't be in a band with them yeah that's why i asked but 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 we we've always been really good friends and and we share an outlook and a perspective on the world i think and that helps and we're very different in some ways but um I don't know like it's great it's a great thing um and she's a brilliant songwriter and an excellent musician and it you know felt very lucky to be in a band with her but also like when I think back to the going back right back to those kind of DIY hardcore gigs how alienating that was for like women who wanted to make music and how sort of long it it took her to feel like that was something she could do. I don't want to speak for her, but like, you know, it was, it was a lot later that she started like playing in bands and stuff, despite always being at all the shows and, you know, being as into the, that scene as I was. Um, And yeah, so it's like a good check on, on, you know, like, I guess male privilege and stuff like that is where where your sister's like, that was not a cool situation there. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. And, you know, uh, I think that's um, important stuff as well. So, um, like, the, the amount of times sound people, sound men will try and mess with our amp or, like, really? you know, you know, it's just daft stuff, and oh, it's just like God. that we that we don't get, and it's like these like micro aggressions, I guess, or mm. whatever you want to call it. That like 
we've moved on leaps and bounds in music, I think, at least in the kind of scenes that I'm in. But there is a long way to go still and and a lot of like um yeah, it's uh yeah, um I don't know, I'm I'm waffling now. But it the the conclusion is it's very good to be in a band with Naomi. <laughs> yeah she is she is awesome um i found a um a description of you guys which i believe is from yourselves so correct me if i'm wrong because this would be a bit embarrassing if if this if i am wrong in this um it says that the uh, found online that it said that you've described yourselves as queer straight edge vegan and anarchist now who is what <laughs> <laughs> well so we'll or you all, all all of it <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i think we're all all of it is the the simple answer <laughs> nice. when it comes to being queer and anarchist and and the rest of but but i, I do need to talk about straight edge yeah please um, do because when we started um we were all sober and we were all you know um yeah we were all not drinking not taking drugs we're all vegan yeah. um and we thought it would be funny given the kind of music we were making to lean into the aesthetic of that kind of like xvx hardcore stuff that you know we we like as well so we got past Patches made that said Martha XVX and like the like nice. you know the font. Um, cut forward eleven years and I'm the only one who's straight edge <laughs> um, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> anymore. Um, but the, yeah, and and that's that is what it is. And and it is true we did use that um, as I've described. We did use that term to describe ourselves. With our tongue and our cheek, but yeah, uh, once something gets written once, it becomes endlessly repeated, and Haunt we you never forever. <laughs> we never formally said we're breaking edge. Um, we just, you know, people just live their lives and uh, to each their own. We're all still vegan. I can't remember the long list of other things that of what it was, but yeah, like the the political stuff. I think the straight edge stuff was not a kind of political thing. It was more of a more of a bit of a daft joke and and a description of our lives at the time. Um, whereas the other things I think are all quite political and quite important to us in terms of like challenging compulsory heterosexuality and this idea about like the, the you know kind of binary ideas about mm. sex and gender and love and things like that um and anarchism in terms of or yeah like a kind of in, imagining a different world and and a better world and a world without sort of oppressive hierarchy and um and one where that's about the collective rather than the individual. And I think we kind of like, we talk about being a horizontally organized band. We, we all write, we all sing, we all sort of, um, there's no lead singer. There's no internal hierarchy or we like to think that anyway, um, or try to sort of make that the way that things go. 
so there is that kind of like in terms of the creative process there is that little bit of kind of like collectivism and in, in the way baked into what we do um yeah but yeah I, lo I love that i love all of that um and that brings me nicely on to my next question so for people that don't know um martha has no designated front person and you'll deliver lead vocals on different songs was that something that you kind of um right from the start we said this is you said this is how it's going to be or is it something that kind of organically just happened how, how did that come about because that's quite unique i would say yeah um I, I think that so the first demo um that we did is like five songs and Naomi doesn't sing lead on any of them. She does a little bit of back and vocals, but the plan was always that she would eventually do lead. I think it was just a case of like building confidence and building, you know, uh, a kind of supportive enough environment where that could happen. Um, and I think maybe we just raced into things a bit too quickly as well that were like, we went from zero to a hundred, I think. Um, but yeah, the, the first record is like, is where we kind of, the first LP, I mean, which is called Cotting Strong, um, is, is where we kind of, that kind of balance that I think has kind of stayed in terms of the voices that you hear and, through an album will will change and there'll be overlapping kind of different people sing different bits of a song and we we kind of harmonize a lot and and that kind of thing and writing wise that was that was right from the start that we were trying to do that um and i guess it's like things like it's funny but you have to look for like you have to go to like fleetwood mac or something mm. to to get a band where there's like three songwriters who well you know there's there's four in martha but um at least three in fleetwood mac i think where different people take lead on a song and um and i guess like you know these days um i, I don't know if you like the band rolling blackouts coastal fever but they've got like th i feel like they've got like three leads three different people who will take lead in a song and I, I like it you know the, yeah. the hard the hard thing is making it coherent and like make because it could be a very jarring experience of like four different people with four different perspectives but the secret to that is that we all write all of the songs like they all go through okay. a, a quality assurance process where they, they <laughs> a horizontal not, one <laughs> exactly yeah a horizontal quality <laughs> assurance process where they end up like if they don't feel like consistent or you know if they don't feel like Martha songs they just don't get out of the practice room so yeah yeah I, I mean I think you're bang on because when I'm just listening to the albums um, it's not like you have to really concentrate to notice the different who who's doing lead on that particular song and I don't mean that in a bad way I mean that in a good way because it all fits really nicely together and with obviously the, the backing vocals and everything else. Um, it almost like catches you unaware almost when you listen to it and I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, 
so you recorded your your debut album um which was caught in strong as you mentioned and then i, I believe it was straight after that or, or shortly after that you went and toured the states is that right we did yeah in 2014 okay so I think, how, how was that i mean it was great it was we, we toured with a band called delay from columbus ohio who are who are great friends of ours um and it it was really 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 great good fun um very like it was a very diy tour it was playing in playing house shows playing in you know um very small like diy setups where frequently they'd be like we only have two mics (laughs) and we'd be (laughs) for four singers yeah, and we'd be like, "Don't worry, we've brought extra mics for this exact reason, kind of thing." <laughs> Amazing. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, so, so, Daniel and I, who who play in Onsind, had done a couple of US tours as Onsind. Um, okay. At that point, and again, it was like making connections with people, or, or it was like the connections that we'd made that's how we met delay and how we kind of knew those guys and um and then this having this new thing where i don't know if it felt like people were excited about this new weird indie pop diy punk power (laughs) pop whatever it whatever it was um yeah and we like we we it was like an east coast tour we i guess we did like i don't know 20 30 shows it was pretty intense and um yeah like one of those sort of extra experiences that i feel extremely lucky to have had and Mm. i don't know if i'll ever get to do it again because of like the way that well i'm i'm in my sort of late 30s now and life is different now but um i feel very lucky to have, have had the chance to do that um and like a proper kind of, you know, sleep on the floor every night, not particularly comfortable, not eating well. No. <laughs> like, they were, it wasn't perfect, but, like, m- you know, making these connections and friendships that really mean the world to me and kind of still, like, last year I did, like, a little bit of a guest kind of weird collaboration thing with the, because Delay recent released a new album and so I was part of that and that felt really cool and you know like we're all still trying to make music and trying to trying to be creative and and do do things even though it's like you know life means we have to have other jobs uh, Mm. to keep ourselves going um but yeah that that too was was really really fun and cool sounds awesome like i think it's every every even people like me who have never been in a band in my life like the idea of touring the the east coast of the states or anywhere in the states and sleeping on the floors and eating the burgers <laughs> every day even though it's probably really bloody hard <laughs> it's like the dream maybe not now I'm not sure i'd want to do it now <laughs> but back in the back in the day um yeah, yeah. very jealous very jealous um, okay, should we uh, should we play a song from the the debut album? Have you got any any favourites from from that particular album? Um, well, I'll I'll pick one I sing. 
Um, yeah, I think which, you should. <laughs> and the, and the thing, there's only two on that record that I sing. So I'll pick. I'll, I'll so the one I'm going to pick. It's an illustration of the collaborative songwriting process because Daniel basically at that time was in a long distance relationship, and he, and he, and he said to me, he was like, "I want to have a chorus that is." I miss you, I'm lonely. And that was all he gave me in terms of lyrics. And then I went and kind of wrote this like big, tried to write a big verbose like song that kind of could provide the cushion needed to have a chorus that was so naive sounding, but so like honest. Um, and so, so the song is called 1967, I Miss You, I'm Lonely. Amazing. Uh, and here it is. Um, so <clears throat> I'm looking at our notes and Mr. Buck has given me a section called Martha the Middle Years. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was really good. Um, so how, okay, so question. H how did it feel like the first record was received? Yeah, so the the. I think some some things changed like without us kind of realizing between the first record and the second record and one mm -hmm. of those was like and this has not been a good thing but the mm -hmm. dominance of Spotify and like the the right. hegemony of Spotify in terms of how people listen to music um and and I think when the first record came out there was still that kind of like pushback and I don't know if you guys ever did media fire downloads of records sure. and like, sure. you know, all that stuff. There was still like an underground and now it just feels like dead. It's like you stream it. If you're a nice person, you'll buy a record every now and again or a shirt. But otherwise, that that's the kind of thing, um, you know, Bandcamp notwithstanding and stuff like that. But the first record came out and it was like, it sort of just we did what we'd always done, which is just like here's a record, and then we, like we, we make our own videos often, and there was a few right. videos we made, but it wasn't like any big event or whatever. Um, and then it kind of just bubbled and bubbled and slowly. I think word of mouth and doing that US tour really, really did help because we were flogging that record on that tour, and then like so-and-so would talk to so-and-so and then a, bi a big moment for us was that the npr the u.s like okay. public broadcaster what i don't even know if it's publicly owned or whatever but um it's called npr right. it's a big thing um they wrote a feature on us because someone had been wow. at the show passed on the record to someone else who who loved it a guy called otis hart who who wrote this like long feature on us and fair play to him fair play to his bosses and editors who let him write like a feature about us <laughs> um and and then fr from that that was kind of like this like i don't know like i've always kind of rejected it like you, that you need to be like in the mainstream press or whatever to be real because punk has always been you know mm. like that's never been what punk's about but it it really did sort of influence who paid attention when the next record came out mm -hmm. 
And by the time the next record came out, it was like Spotify streaming, all that stuff was like much more entrenched. And also it felt like there was like a a campaign, like an album campaign that happened where with dates and singles leading up to an album and announced the album and all this stuff where we were just a bit like, right, okay, we'll do that. But um, yeah, so 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 that was kind of like the difference. But then when that, that, that record was and is our most successful in terms of like that that second record in terms of getting written about and getting mm. you know reviewed it like the guardian came to a gig and wrote a review of a gig and you know okay there was, yeah if, if ever we've had any buzz that was then um <laughs> being on the the non-buzzy end of things now but <laughs> um but yeah so and i think it was because we'd like done that tour in the US there's a lot of people in America <laughs> um, and like <laughs> and like you know yeah so so um, that that record like um, got yeah got got made us like a real band I think to 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 people okay. and, and made us like part of uh, yeah like a, a proper band or whatever um which rightly or wrongly, but that, that was just the way things played out. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Oh, um, and so, yeah, sorry. On. One thing that happened just to illustrate that point, the, one of the songs from that record got played on a TV show in America. Okay. Um, yeah. It was like not a big hit or anything, but it was like on some TV show. Can't remember what it was called, and I've never seen it, but <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> it, it happened, and it was like okay, like somebody somewhere's sort of noticing us that hadn't before. So yeah, yeah. But like we've um, so we did an interview recently with Greg Holden, who had who that blew up his career. Like he had a song that was on um, Sons of Anarchy and then went to, like, number one in Sweden the next week. Like, that in the mid-noughties, that was very much how you could be broken as a band was by being on a TV show. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think, like, yeah, if, if, if it had been, I don't know, Parks and Recreation or... Right. You know, if it had been, a, like... Well, massive respect to whoever made that decision, and thank you. No, no disrespect <laughs> to this show. It just—I don't think it was ever on in this country, and my right. brain is like a sieve anyway at the minute. So, Daniel would know what it was. Um, but like, <laughs> it was a very cool thing, and like, we'd said no to like we'd we'd been offered to be on like an advert at one point, like a an internet advert, and we'd said no to that. But when it was like okay, this is people making art and it's it's like a fictional TV show. Like, yeah, you can do that. That's cool. I got into bands, going back to the earlier point, like you hear songs in films and TV. And oh, yeah. That's a route into music. So um, if anyone's listening who makes those kind of decisions, like keep us in mind for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get puts on the list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, do that. Um, if anyone is listening who 
does that for a like get in touch we we, we'll talk to you that's fascinating stuff (laughs) um we listening to your back catalogue firstly the songwriting is of such a high quality start to finish just wanted to say that like amazing like from the first song on the first record to the last song on the last record amazing like you can really feel oh how can i put this you can really feel the effort and the craft thank you and like from the second record we found a few quotes that i think show the depth of the effort that goes into the thinking behind these songs so like the lead single goldman goldman's detective agency loving the like boys are back in town guitar harmonies on that one by the way amazing um reimagines early 20th century anarchist emma goldman as a private investigator yeah yeah cool standard (laughs) absolute standard um ice cream and sunscreen the line december boy you got it wrong is a reference to the throne of september girls by big star december boys got it bad curly and raquel references two characters from the british soap opera coronation street (laughs) nice Massiveness. So I was paraphrasing lyrics from a Billy Bragg song. St. Paul's Westerberg Comprehensive is about queer students at a Catholic school, and the title of which references both Paul Westerberg and the film Heathers. Nice. And <laughs> Bastards of Young, a song by Westerberg's band, The Replacements. You guys are not fucking about as a statement, <laughs> as a general statement. <laughs> How we maybe talk before about the, the horizontal production line or however these songs happen where does this depth of content i'm gonna say come from so so well thank you thank you very much um and like we do think a lot about these things and also as i've gone on it you know it through my music journey i've realized how Actually, for ninety nine percent of people, lyrics are not that important, and right. and and so the thing that I really like, you know, I I know my limitations as a musician and and singer and you know guitarist, drummer, whatever, but the thing that I really do feel like on my deathbed I'll be able to say I was good at that is writing lyrics, and like, um that's the irony of realizing actually that's the least important part and it's all about <laughs> other things but, i disagree but for the people, just for the record yeah well well me too in terms of like for the people who care it matters more than anything and right. that's what martha is all about we would rather be a band that had 10 people who had tattoos of us on them right. than a thousand people who put us on in the background every now and again Passively, we we would rather be somebody's favorite band than ten people's whatever band, mm-hmm. and like, because that's how we engage with music, and that's what you know. We are kind of those nerds, and and like, we love the replacements, and that's, mm. and we love Billy Bragg, and we love Coronation Street, and we you know <laughs> these are, these are all like. A, it, not to use too highfalutin of a word, but it's like intertextuality is something that I, right. I'm quite into. And like that kind of the way that one text, be that a 
TV show or a song or a book or whatever can interact with another and can like the synergy that can come from that. So like when we started, like I know I keep talking about Onsend and I apologize, but like Onsend is like a very political band. It's like a very straightforwardly political mm-hmm. band in, in many ways. When we started Martha, it was like we wanted to tell stories and have mm. narratives and like have songs that were about characters and people and places and stuff that were, that wasn't so much like blah 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 like you know straight right. down the line. This is what I think about this issue and and like we've generally had a kind of like the attitude to sort of love songs has always been. You can have a love song, but it has to be a story and it has to be about characters. It can't just be like, you know, it can't just be like love song 101 kind of thing. So it's that kind of, I guess, to answer your question, it's about like how we, what we're into, who we are as people and like how we can write stuff that is like fun and interesting and, and, and engages us and, 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 you know, we're passionate about and like two of the songs you mentioned there were like songs that JC wrote initially prior to the like quality assurance, you know, where we all kind right. of get involved and um but but very much like he he loves the replacements and they're about his experience, but they're also about like you know, um they're also about like writing a love letter to this band that means everything to you and and stuff like that um and so you know we want to i don't want to say it's like easter eggs because that kind of (laughs) but it's like we want there to be something there for people who go back and really i'm the kind of person who buys a record and i'll sit and i'll take the the lyrics out and i'll sit and i'll pour through them and we hope that we give people value for money in that sense in in that they there's a lot there and it's nice to be asked about it honestly because it's like you know it's a cool it's something that we all all vibe off so yeah but um yeah it's just about like who we are and what we love and trying to pack as much of that into the art that we create as as we possibly can i guess yeah, like and that 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 for me certainly that absolutely comes through. Like whenever when I found myself like almost like listening with a notepad, because I would be like, and I don't mean that like, but it's like so. so hopefully that's what you were talking about because I'm like, did they really say that? <laughs> well, like, was that that thing? And then the, yeah, love it. Like as you say, you cannot passively listen, but in the best way because it's rich and it's deep and you get that yeah love it um i think we should play a song from that second record um is there a the particular one you'd like to choose that maybe particularly does the storytelling um well i, I guess we could I, th- I think westerberg comprehensive it's the last song on the record it's a beautiful song um and you know it it like I know, I keep saying that we all write all the songs, but it it's a JC song and it's him and the guitar and um and it yeah so so 
we'll play Westerberg Comprehensive. So for the third album, you signed with Fancy Pants Big Scary Monsters. (laughs) Now, I say Fancy Pants because... We're talking American football, get up kids, Jamie Lemon, has for heroes, yada, 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 amazing. Mm-hmm. Was that the result of the buzz, aforementioned buzz? Um, so, it, so probably in some sense, that you'd have to ask Kev how we got on his radar and Dave okay. Owen, who, who would be able to tell you how, how and why we appeared in there line of sight but it when so the second album the first and second album came out on a indie pop label called fortuna pop which mm-hmm. is a very influential established london indie pop label that had done things like pains of being pure at heart and allo darling and and tons and tons of other bands great bands but very much in that more that indie pop vein and shortly after blisters in the pit of my heart came out Fortuna Pop ceased to exist. So when it came to doing the next record, we were like, okay, uh, what do we do? <laughs> um, <laughs> and and it was it was purely just we sent it round to people. Um, we sent it like I, I pulled in every favor like I had, and. We managed to get a no from Rough Trade, <laughs> which is you know, yeah, you know, pretty good, yeah. um, and nothing from Rough Trade. But yeah, we had we had a no from them. We had a no from a lot of other people, um, but like I'm making it seem like it nobody wanted to release it, which is not the case. <laughs> um, I just think it's it's funny that Rough Trade did actually listen to it and go no thanks, right. Um, but yeah, so uh, BSM was so so enthusiastic and positive about it, and oh, so like that. so behind it, and like and you know got it for what it was, and that was just basically what happened. Is that we we were we we had recorded as we always tend to do is just we we pay to record and we just record it ourselves when we want and then we go we don't have the time or the infrastructure to release stuff ourselves these days so we mm-hmm. try and find someone to help with that and then that was that was how that came about and like it, it was again it's like opening up a world of like all all that kind of, you know legendary like emo stuff and like that scene of like the bsm scene which is just thriving and you know it's nice to get invited onto this podcast as well because it's like a, a signal that we did make some you know <laughs> some mark in that kind of emo world or even though like probably a lot of a lot of people who are super into emo would not put martha in in that realm maybe but right i hear that yeah um but but it is it it, yeah it's like um it it was cool because it was again it was like okay there's this here's this other thing and it's like parallel to what we do and and you know um and and they really you know were brilliant and really supported us and got behind us and yeah really that that record you know, I I think that um, 
it's hard to like think back to 2019 when that came right. out because what what sort of what happened was we it feels like that the album like we had a US tour booked we had a European tour booked we were going to do all this stuff and we'd we'd fortunately done a UK tour of of the record and I think we played some other places but then it was like boom that's it um and and when you're kind of like just trying in your weekends and after work to write albums and get together and record and stuff and then you kind of they talk about an album cycle and it's like right. it feels like everything's old news like really quickly and and so it it, it in a way like is, I, I, lo I love that record and and it, it, it just does feel like it kind of was nipped in the bud a little bit mm. and we didn't get to do what we wanted to do and didn't get to tour it and now bizarrely it's four years later from when it came out somehow um and like we're in different places in our lives daniel has a kid now and another mm. one on the way us2 is probably not happening anytime soon like we're going to be doing things in a different way but keeping it on going so it does feel like um as much as i i, I don't i didn't really want to like put any negative light on it or whatever it sure. just feels like because of the the way the world went um that it didn't get its sort of real yeah just, it's it's um, just it's yeah exactly i feel yeah i i really feel what you're saying it's like um it's it it deserved better yeah but yeah. but of all the things that have happened i think it's low on the list of like <laughs> of, you know um it's just from from right. our point of view it because like and and stuff like we were doing like the us tour we'd like already paid for like visas and stuff and oh, stuff where it's just like you ain't getting that money back that's just gone into the the pit and it was it was somewhat like april 2020 we got like an email saying your visa has been approved and it was oh, like no. Because <laughs> like meanwhile, like the US is totally shut down, this country's totally shut down, but some email like algorithmic system has finally pinged onto our thing and <laughs> it was just like this cursed feeling of like um you know oh that that's like a, a parallel universe we're off yeah. there doing doing something, but never yeah, mind. I yeah, that time was that time was bonkers. I do a regular I fly once a month to Greece because my daughter lives in Greece. That's a very mm -hmm. complicated story. But my I remember that time very clearly because I had six months of Greece flights booked up, right? That mm -hmm. didn't happen. And you're right, I would get triggered every like triggered literally emotionally and triggered by the email system. Yeah. <laughs> for every flight I wasn't getting on. Because it would just yeah. be like bored now and i'm like definitely i'm not doing that <laughs> i can't even leave my house <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly that i'm allowed my whatever it was like one exercise yeah an hour of exercise. <laughs> yeah right like wild absolutely yeah. wild and um, so was um was the the how was your kind of pandemic experience as a group um 
Well, I don't know. Like, I, I, I am of the opinion that I have not processed it, and that very few people have, yeah, yet processed what we went through, and that's a necessity of life. But I do think it's going to be like one of those things in a hundred years where they'll be before the pandemic and after the pandemic, mm. and we just kind of streamed netflix through it and then came out the other side and like all this grief and all you know we've all been touched by like really bad stuff that's happened through the pandemic of you know people who've died from covid or who've died incidentally and we've not been able to grieve in the way that we would and there's all this stuff that is that i just feel is like there (laughs) yeah that like um so I can't, you know, I can't really answer other than to say we we kind of, from a, from a band point of view, we quite quickly, I guess, after a few months, and it was like, you know, this things aren't coming back anytime mm. soon. Shall we like, we weren't meeting up. We were being really, really, really strict about safety and stuff and mm-hmm. we just started going well shall we just ping some demos back and forth and it was something i i, w- I was just coming into this room and working and then shutting my laptop going for a walk and then you know watching tv and going to bed for like two years that's what it yes. felt like yes me so, too. <laughs> yeah and, and that's the same for so many people and i was lucky that i could work from home so you know like mm-hmm. but, but the the kind of anything that I could be doing that we could be doing that was different from that. And that's how we started to like ping the demos back and mm. forth that ended up being Please Don't Take Me Back was like through that. Um, I don't remember where I, like time is just like impossible to comprehend. Yes. But it wasn't super long after the first lockdown maybe a few months that we started to think about, okay, well, on to the next thing. And and I'm glad we did because it meant that at the end of last year, we had a, re- a record that um, that we could like put out and, and tour a li- we toured it a little bit and now we're going to sort of go quiet again. Um, but that, that would be Martha now, I think, unless that TV deal comes in and, uh, you know, the... <laughs> we could start printing money um but yeah um yeah so did that answer it i don't yes. know yes no that was a, that okay. was a lovely answer thank you so much um let's do let's do a song for the record that deserved better <laughs> <laughs> new What's, working title yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um what is your favorite song to play live from that third record oh okay okay um i'm gonna say uh into this which is a song that naomi sings um and naomi wrote um that is kind of martha at our most indie rock i think uh and it's a bit more like mid-paced and but but it's a it's a fun one all right let's uh this is into this by martha so I wanted to obviously talk about the latest album 
please don't take me back and my my question was going to be what was kind of the mood like within the band when you started writing the um writing the album but obviously just explained it all happened during <laughs> during covid so i'm going to rephrase it and say how did you find um the process of writing that album when you're all kind of in your bedrooms offices lounges whatever it was in separate buildings across i don't know maybe even separate towns how how did you find that process different to being in a room how maybe you would normally have write, um, written songs yeah it it was it was weirdly weirdly quite collaborative in the mm. sense that it, it it's like apples and oranges so it's hard to compare but it things started happening that were quite cool like daniel would like i remember daniel kind of basically sent me sent us all a demo that was like just him playing guitar and like vocalizing like notes and then and it was just like a verse and a chorus or something it was just like nothing and then i kind of was like right tapping away at me like word document and listening to it and trying to like get the words to fit the melody which is had never been really the way around that i'd done it before yeah. um like and and like that ended up being the song please don't take me back was um you know if if song exploder ever comes knocking i'll dig out that demo from from <laughs> from where from whatever whatsapp group it's buried in but it was just Daniel like kind of going like and I and I'm like trying to find words and the co coherence and it's like going back to what you were saying earlier about like like some of the songs being quite dense with like references or like um or whatever that this that was kind of a new a different way because it was like almost like in the intellectual side of it came second to the necessity of of the melody and so so there was like quite a few cool things like that where being forced into like um being forced into a kind of situation that none of us really liked at least allowed us to reflect on our process a bit and and um yeah it was like you know people were learning to paint and bake and stuff and we were <laughs> like we were trying to do an album without all of the like safety nets and like daniel and i have been like making music together for a long time like 18 years probably um if you if you count things that we did before on sin little bits and bobs and like we are we haven't we have such a strong like understanding of one another and what one another's going to say that when we when we sit together and work on a song we can almost like write it without speaking because i'll do something and then he and no it's not something i would think but i'm trying to think what he would think and i'm like oh he's going to suggest this and we kind of it's like a really nice thing that comes with being very we've been friends for a long time and making music together for a long time but we didn't have that like unspoken 
thing of being in the room so it it made it more of a mediated process but still one where um where all things came out of it and then when we did finally get into a room together we decided we just we were being very careful and we decided like this is a job you know being in a band for some people is a job and we can take the calculated risk of being in a room to 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 you know develop these songs but we wore masks we didn't sing we took breaks every 15 minutes it feels mad now to to think that but that's how we did it yeah. at our local practice room and we would go outside and we weren't singing and then we would go home to our separate houses um so again ha not having the voices in in the band where there's four singers when we were trying to develop the songs together also created these weird like strange new ways of kind of developing the songs out um and there's a song called irreversible motion that naomi sings where where it, it feels like that was particularly the way that that developed out from what she'd brought to the room in terms of us not knowing what the vocals were going to be or it having any idea and then and then playing it working it out together and then her bringing bringing us a demo with the vocals on it and being like oh my god like this is not what we thought it was going to be but it's like much better than so so yeah there was like all these strange like uh dimensions to it and when when it came to actually recording as well we recorded in nottingham but we we literally went in separate vehicles really? um and we we wore masks in the studio and we stayed in sep we booked a hotel and we stayed in separate hotel rooms that's how like and and i'm like that that was the first session as it went on things everywhere relaxed and um and we we were less we were more like together but it was still like we were still being extremely careful um and yeah so it's really strange to think about the first the first time we went down we drove halfway to nottingham and stopped at services and got a text from the person we were recording with phil booth who's a legend to say that he's been in contact with someone with covid ah. and so we all just drove home and it was like that it was still in that that kind of time where that was you know uh what it was so um i'm glad we started when we did and i'm i'm glad things worked out the way they did but it was a very strange weird thing and that's why it kind of felt quite radical to be saying to to be a the record is about not romanticizing the past because it was like the time when you've never felt more like I wish I could just go back to how it was a couple of years ago. Um, but being like, no, we can, we deserve better than that. And we can have a, there can be something better than what we've had before. And like, so yeah, it's all kind of, all kind of mixed up in a big, cosmic conceptual way um <laughs> with with the with the pandemic and like that's why you know the front of the record is a picture of me on my phone with a mask on outside is yep. like this 
you know, we were like, do we lean into where we were or do we pretend it didn't happen? And we were like, we're not going to pretend it didn't happen. It did. This is the picture we're going to use. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, uh, like I say, I think it will become, or I mean, it already is the defining thing in all of our lives, but um, we're just not quite, yeah. What When the albums come along that are really processing it, that's when. <laughs> yeah, that, right. That, yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, what what the hippies were to World War Two, the the sort of music that the, these kids who were born in COVID will be making and about yeah anyway yeah for sure I got a question about the album covers that's not on the list Buck's giving me that look about James is going rogue the <laughs> um the full records has each one of you on the cover right yeah who gets to be on number five <laughs> well this is a good question. Um, and <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of ways that we could do it. You know, do we do sixteen oh. albums or four each? Right, <laughs> right. Or do you go Weezer and you suddenly you're doing all four on a yeah? Or do we go? Do we do something completely different? Um, yeah. but I, I can't reveal. We have <laughs> talked about this, and and we do think a lot about like. It's this kind of stuff that we would. think about. I thought you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff in terms of like the the seasons, the seasonal picture of the four albums, and yeah. you know, the the journey through life. Um, in terms of, yeah. Uh, but wait, I, I'm I'm looking now. I, I noticed the different uh different band members on various albums. I hadn't noticed the seasons. Yeah, because it's yeah, you've not spotted the season. You guys are something else, aren't you? <laughs> Mate, you've got to like you've got to get I mean like yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, All right, let's so let's um okay, let's go rogue. <laughs> explain us, explain through through this these four album covers then. So uh for people that aren't don't know what they look like, Caught in Strong debut album, we have got uh, a young lad. It's starting to make sense already. Um, not a lad. I mean, what? Not a lad, mate. No, on the debut album. Not a lad. <laughs> we so so that's JC when he was a, a cheeky yeah. little. I thought that was Naomi. All right, no, that's JC. That's JC when he was a cheeky little. You're looking man. at the next album, James. Oh, so... <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Stop arguing. Go on. So, um, Go on, Naomi. Yeah. And that's him, like, with the kind of in in suburbia, in you know, in Newton Hall, um, and I guess that's the kind of spring record, and then the next record's Neil Me on the tarmac. Yeah, in um, summer by looks. In it. the summer, yeah, with a, a plane in the background, and then the next record is Daniel on. It's actually. A, that 2014 tour we did um, with Delay, that was in Chicago, believe it or not, that beach. It's like yep. Lake Michigan, I think. Yep. And we we were like, we were between venues or between, we had to get to a show or something, and we were like, we should go to the beach. And as we got there, it just like these sort of ominous clouds came over, but Daniel was in his swimming gear and, uh, as you are <laughs> and just and 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 he just uh, 
you know, and I like I actually took that picture and it was like quite a cool, like the ominous, like so so that's the kind of autumn in terms of the the changing of the seasons and then obviously you've got the snow and the um and the layers on the on the on the record and and I'm the kind of elder statesman of the band. But yeah, people have said like people have said, Oh, you're gonna split up now and all this stuff. Um, which is funny because it's like as if we let something like that be the thing that <laughs> that splits us up. We'll just we'll just do what other bands do and have words on the album. <laughs> yeah, and have yeah. like yeah, something yeah, yeah. like um but but it it has been cool and that was like a day one thing was we're gonna have this aesthetic to the way that we like to the 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 releases that we do and it's going to be about photos and it kind of links into that storytelling thing and when we started it was like old photos and then as we went on it became like more like uh. more or less now um photos from now but yeah so th so this was like a plan right from the beginning but, i mean it some things uh, some things happen uh, through kind of good fortune as well but we we always plan to have pictures and we it's not like it, it's like as the as it went along it kind of became more of a oh we could do this thing um and yeah because the other thing the funny thing is like somebody once said to me you've got a car on the first one a plane on the second one yeah Oat on, on the third one. What are you going to have on the fourth one? And we have a cathedral in the background on the fourth one. So amazing. People Where can scratch that. Yeah, that's Durham Cathedral, blurry in the background. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And right. Just... Yes, there. I can confirm. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, there. I love all this. How How did you feel about being last? <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm I'm the least photogenic, honestly. So it, it's <laughs> um I'm like the yeah I, I'm like the um you know the one who people are like oh that guy and then when you get to know me I'm the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Right. Anyway, back to the uh, back to the notes. I enjoyed that. Um. So, one of the greatest lyrics ever written. <laughs> and I mean this I'm not just saying this because we're talking to you take me back to the old days take me back to the glory days we had no wait don't do that it was really fucking sad the old days were bad <laughs> I mean that is just fucking genius well thank you that was, that? That's the, so that that is the lyric that came out of Daniel doing that like kind of weird vocal scatting was so you wrote that... did you write that one then yeah, so, oh, that, that, was, so that was handy, <laughs> and and it and it's like I like I like stuff where there's like a twist, you know. Yeah, like and there's a kind of twist in the chorus. Um, I I love the idea of a singer who suddenly lose confidence in their <laughs> yeah. like in what they're saying and then backpedals. Um, <laughs> but but it is like yeah, it's about kind of. Um, trying to check yourself when you put them rose tinted glasses on and go and like, you know, it, it's, it's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be like, you know, it, it's supposed to, you know, be kind of like 
have humor to it but it's also like we do romanticize and we think oh you know back when whenever but like as i get older than I'm, i'm just far more interested in like what is the next fun thing i'm gonna do where is the next like thing that's gonna keep me passionate and creative and keep me wanting to exist on this like doomed <laughs> like you know this kind of like hellish situation um you know i shouldn't say we're doomed we can we can avert the catastrophes that we face and a lot of people are fighting really hard to do that but it it feels like you know for the politically minded feels like a kind of very bleak time and so i'm like i don't want to just be like things were better in the past i want to be like things are things can be better in the future and what what is the next thing that's going to um make it worth make life worth living um and like i'm not going to pretend that i wasn't like totally depressed throughout my 20s because i was mm-hmm. um and like so like I, i can look back at photos and go oh you know that was cool but at the time i was probably just like sick of my life so um and and paradoxically the world's gotten a lot worse but i feel like i have a better understanding of my own mental health now and like i i do feel happier and and you know obviously ups and downs always like anyone who's lived with like depression anxiety things like that knows but like i do feel like you know more keen on just living my life and 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 finding fun things in the future because it's going to end one day either <laughs> whatever happens so so you got to just kind of like uh you got to just find the next thing and 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 focus on the things you're passionate about and and all that kind of stuff so that's kind yeah. of where the where that like twist in the song it's like a it's a sort of a springsteen reference like glory days you know uh that kind of like but then go nah. <laughs> nah i love it gonna... i love it and i, I couldn't oh. i couldn't like i couldn't relate any more than you know everything you've just said it's basically me and james is nodding as well um and i think when the reason i love it so much is it is the backtrack and it just makes me laugh and i think the the first time i heard it i actually laughed out loud and was almost like hang on did did i just hear that right it's like, it's just not what you expect um I, i think it's brilliant i think it's brilliant um okay so what is what's next for the band um well in the in the immediate uh what's next we've got a few gigs coming up we're playing we're, we're weirdly playing at a comedy festival in I Wales I saw that yeah Mahalt yeah yeah uh you probably pronounce it better than <laughs> I would. No um, chance. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, just like um, Henry who books the music. Well, I think he books the whole festival, but he's been a big supporter of us for, for years now. And um, and so it's really nice to to play that. And yeah, it's like a cool, it, it, it's a cool festival. I, like I'm not a comic and, I, you know, don't have much, awareness of that you say that world, you wrote but... that brilliant lyric <laughs> well thank you um but but they have like they don't let press into the 
it's like work in progress shows for yeah. a lot of the comedians and they don't let press in and they don't give away free tickets to review they don't let reviewers in so it's like a cool like non-judgmental space for the comics to like work on stuff because it's a few months before the edinburgh festival where they'll all be doing a month of the of the show that's like in its embryonic stage there so it's quite cool to be on the what there's like a tent where the bands play and it's like you know it's cool to be like the music that soundtracks all this weird people like trying things that aren't working and figuring out you know and maybe pushing a bit too far or not going far enough and um so that's cool what else are we doing we're doing um we're playing in newcastle in may uh, a two-day diy festival celebration of uk diy called marapalooza um which Mara is northeast sort of pitmatic dialect for uh friend like if if you would if you were working down the coal mine the person who's kind of like got your life got your life in their hands is your Mara like they're the they're the one who kind of who's looking out for you and you're looking out for them so so that's why it's Mara Palooza um and there's there's loads of great bands playing that uh like uh trust funds playing it the wave pictures, um, big fat big, our friends who we just went on tour with, and loads and loads of bands. I can't like I can't remember, and I don't have the flyer there. But there's loads and loads of great bands playing it, and I'm sorry any mates who I haven't bigged up there. <laughs> um, teenage sequences playing, um, who were great. Uh, but yeah, uh, then in June we're playing at Booze Cruise in Hamburg. Um, nice with like. I say with the Menzingers, it's a big festival. I don't know if we'll be anywhere near them, but it's good that we're on a, a poster near them, <laughs> at least. Um, and uh, then we're playing at 2000 Trees in um, July, early July. So that's what we've got coming up. Um, in terms of in terms of bigger plans, I, we, we've, you know, talking about what's next and the the main the main big plan is that Daniel and his partner have got their second kid on the way. So oh, nice. that's the that's the next um big Martha milestone. Um they only need two more and we'll have a new band that we can <laughs> you, uh, can, you can start the pictures again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um but yeah, so that's nice. And yeah, and then like I don't know, I play in another band called Fortitude Valley. We're working on an album. Can I plug other bands yeah of course mate plug plug yeah, whatever you want yeah fortitude valley like um yeah laura kovic is the lead singer great brilliant songs um and so hopefully a new album uh from that band and yeah just keeping on trying to do fun stuff and not just working all the time <laughs> um yeah nice nice i can see james is uh frantically googling something yeah no i just looking at fortitude valley because and like saving that in the spotify library so i can listen to that later that's my plan nice or you can recommend us a song and we can play that on the way out up to you well yeah um... i'm gonna take over i reckon we play oh actually no fuck it let's play a martha song and a fortune Valley (laughs) song yeah yeah we'll do that yeah man back to back We'll do what we want. <laughs> so, 
first of all, I have to say thank you for chatting to us while we're getting carried away with songs. Um, it's been lovely to chat. Um, huge fan of the band. Keep doing your thing. Um, absolutely love it. Um, thank you. So, as just mentioned, let's choose if you would like to choose a Martha song, maybe from the latest album, and then we will play that followed by a fortitude valley song <laughs> there it is well so we've had we've had a song by me we've had a song by naomi we've had a song by jc so okay we yep have a, a daniel song if daniel you had sings that in it. your mind the whole time <laughs> yeah right from the start <laughs> no um but we have talked a lot about uh please don't take me back it's the title track it's the one where Daniel sent me the demo and he wrote the mm. melody and, and the music and I wrote the lyrics. So it feels like a really nice song with me and him um, in terms of our songwriting partnership, County Durham's Lennon and McCartney. Um, <laughs> and that would be Paddy McAloon and his brother from Prefab. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so I reckon please don't take me back. And if you want a, a good Fortitude Valley song, uh, play Baby I'm Afraid. Amazing. Right. So here are those two songs back to back. Nathan, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute delight. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thanks. See you later. It all went wrong. My life is a mess. We say it every time, but what a lovely man. Lovely guy. Love, I liked, just... I liked yeah, all the, the stories about the creative madness yeah. in that band. Yeah. And like, what what a mind. That's that that's where I am. Like like it feel like it's like um it's like he's playing 3D chess. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, like, 10 steps ahead. Like I feel like he's already like me, you know, I th that's not how I do it. I'm very like emotionally driven, so I'll just charge my way through things. Feels like he's already thought of the exit before he's entered the thing, whereas Ulrico blunders in, blunders in <laughs> with no escape strategy, and 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 like this is what happens. He just keeps talking until like he he runs out of things to say. He's like a Jedi, that guy. Yeah. Like a like a, a northern Jedi, a, a Jedi from the places. I bet he knew with his like Jedi mind tricks that we would play four songs right from the start. He he knew that was going to happen. He knew it he, was going to. Go feel on. like we we're, we're just his puppets. Yeah, he's the <laughs> puppet master. <laughs> Nathan, you are the puppet master, and yep. we have absolute respect. <laughs> Yeah, we 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 are very pleased to have been pawns in your game. <laughs> Do you think we're like part of um, four podcasts that that are happening yes. with like the four different members all all yes. like now? <laughs> yes, yes, I feel like that. Yeah, exactly. And there'll be four podcasts that come out once, and there'll be all these sort of Easter eggs between the podcasts. Mm. And like, yeah, that's. That, they'll all they'll all give completely different answers to the same questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. And the, like, the matrix will implode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, let's let's get out of this podcast somehow. Are we doing notices or something? Yeah, I'm just setting up so I can give you oh some uh, some some tunes. Am I gonna like? I haven't done this for a while. Like, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while. It's been a while since we did a recording. Matt, practice. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do this because I can't remember any of the things that we've got. But it'll be well, okay. That, that makes it more fun. I'm I'm pushing my ADHD brain into its long term memory setting, and maybe I can I can pull out some stuff. It's better with beat. I'm I'm better with it's got like a bit of a beat to it. Like I'm looking for beat. something a bit sulsory, maybe, <laughs> so I can do it. Miami Vice, you got that? That's that's not that. That's like an electronic thing. Yeah. Miami Vice. Yeah, man. I thought don't you normally do eighties theme tunes? Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking. I'm I'm keep talking while I scroll oh. through. Thing is, like a lot of them, I got no idea. Ah, oh, this here we go. This will be good. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't like his face right now, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you ready? No, because yeah, you share in sound though. Yeah, yeah, I've set it all up, mate. I'm, I'm on oh, it. Fucking hell! All right. Are you ready? I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the world famous emo dad podcast has got some stuff. We firstly follow us, Spotify, and give us a rating. Mother four, less than six. Secondly, Instagram, email that podcast slash Instagram slash geosites. Go there, give us a follow. Be nice to Mr. Buck. We have a dusty email account that nobody emails us on, but it exists, and it's the thing email that podcast at gmail.com. Discord server. Go and meet people on the Discord. Make friends. Find other emo mums and emo dads and non-binary heroes. And to show your allegiance to the mighty emo dad army, buy a, a merch. We've got socks. We've got beach towels. We've got t-shirts. They are all at cost. Buy them, they're great. From a link that is somewhere on our pages. Give us a tip. We don't make any money. And Mr. Buck spent like £700 on a cable. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's working though, isn't it? Yeah, cable's working. So, like, give us a tip. I think well, this tune that's goes it. all over the place. It. I think that's it. And I think it just keeps going. This is Thunderbirds, right? Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. It would be really cool if we then, like, went into, like, that busted song that came from thunderbirds hmm. or not or no, we could play another martha song <laughs> <laughs> um, i think we should play another martha song instead of busted do you think do you think that's better than busted we um, um what what um so when nathan appeared just so very quickly yeah we were halfway through our gig review we were we're yeah, just gonna we leave were. that hanging we were um, we'd kind of concluded what the venue was like. Maybe we'll save the actual gig for another time. I just yeah. wanted to, I just wanted to bring it up so people think, 
you know, might have listened to that whole interview just because they wanted to know what the, the gig was like. That's right. And I don't think we've mentioned who we went to see. So Well, let's not. That's, or not. You can probably figure it out because that will be the band before we go into the interview that we saw. And then there's another band that headlined that we will talk about probably and their very um, hilariously elaborate light rig in the next episode of the world famous emo dead podcast the next nonsense nonsense episode i've also got to tell you about my trip to rock city nightclub mate i'm so like i almost almost bursting with like wanting to know about that you're gonna have to wait because we're both very tired and it's time to go to bed (laughs) (laughs) true story i've been james i've been matt and we haven't decided who's going to pick a song. Oh yeah, I, I've got I've got one. Oh, no, all I, right. Do I? No, I don't. I don't know. Uh... I want to play the one about the supermarket. What's that? It's on the yeah. That was so well planned. It's on the one. It's called the supermarket song. It's also called precarious brackets. The supermarket song. Love you lots. We'll see you next time. This is Precarious, the supermarket song by Martha.